Count Dracula sleeps in this coffin, but rises every night at sunset. Chick is right. This is awful silly stuff. Ron and Anian. Electric cars and autonomous cars are going to be a problem. Get used to it. If you don't stop imagining these crazy things... I'll take you to a doctor to have you examined. The car doctor. You're going to put a self-driving car in lower Manhattan and expect it to operate safely? The only way autonomous cars are going to work in lower Manhattan is they're going to have to let a New Yorker program them. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, the car's going to have to figure out to give the other driver the single-digit salute. Hey! I'm walking here! I'm walking here! Up yours, you Here's Johnny! He It's time to start your engines. Let's get fired up and talk about cars here. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions, whatever you've got going on, fender to fender and door to door. This week, this hour, maybe next hour, but this week. This hour, this week, this week, this hour. Yeah, six of one, t- tomato, tomato. Um, sometime during this two-hour segment of Car Doctor Broadcasting, we are going to give away a launch scan tool, courtesy of the folks at launch, launchtechusa.com, a Millennium 70. Uh, maybe we'll give it to a Millennium. Yuck, 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 yuck. Uh, nice four-inch color screen, does all sorts of uh, scan tool stuff like uh, graphing and live data stream and reads codes, modes one through ten, oxygen sensor tests, color graphs, nice stuff, real nice stuff, nice tool. Um, you'll love it, whoever's going to get it, but we're going to give it that away in the next two hours uh, this week here on The Car Doctor, and uh, we look forward to doing that as we talked about uh, in the re- weeks gone by. And um, just stuff like that there. We're going to talk to a gentleman from All Data in the second hour, uh, Robert McBride, I think his name is. Uh, he's going to stop by there. You know, SEMA is next week. The big Vegas Apex trade show out in uh, Vegas is next week, and we try to grab some of the industry's best and brightest every year to talk about what, what you might see if you make it out to Vegas and some of the new products, because this is the time of year the industry unveils, you know, pulls back the curtain and unveils what's new and what we're going to deal with next year in terms of the ongoing battle to continuously try and repair automobiles. So uh, we look forward to that conversation with Robert next hour, but I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900 this hour and next, obviously. And uh, I welcome you to come on, give me a call. We'll kick the garage doors open because that is how you're going to win the scan tool from launch. I want to talk to you from the heart for a minute, and 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 I like doing this. I, you know, people say, "Why do you still fix cars after all these years?" And isn't it boring? And I'm, no, it's not boring. You know, there's always something different. There's always, you know, ask me how my day was, and I'll I'll tell you a different story every day. Yesterday was Friday. And and Friday is always a very different kind of a day in an auto repair shop when you're closed on Saturday and Sunday. It's, you know, it's the last day of the week and you're trying to get cars out. And there's there's always that sense in the air that the weekend's right around the corner. And, you know, how can you get there without, you know, making any mistake? It's you got to pitch the perfect game. You're you're playing baseball and you've, you, you know, you've you've got to just be right every time, especially on Friday. Ed walked in the door. I've never met Ed before. I never saw Ed before. And I think I met Ed a customer without even working on his car because he walked up to the counter and he had that look in his eye. And I've seen that look. I've been doing this too long. And 
I can tell when somebody has reached that, that I call it the Obi-Wan Kenobi moment. You know, when they walk in and they've got that, you're my only hope, Obi-Wan Kenobi, please help me. And I wasn't wrong. He had taken his car to one of the national franchises that do exhaust. You you figure it out. There's only one or two choices there uh, that are local to us. And spent approximately $2,200 to fix the brakes on his 2000 Chevy Suburban with 248,000 miles on it, a check engine light, and so much rust that you'd be afraid to take it through the car wash for fear that it would wash away. And... You could see that the vehicle was kind of at the end of its life, and that's really all Ed wanted out of it. He told me when I asked him that, you know, I, I, he wants to get into the year. He wants to get through this, the winter out of it and then figure out, you know, maybe in the spring he's going to sell his house and then buy a new car. And We had a great conversation about life in general and car buying and things like that. The car had a problem where you approached a stop sign or a traffic light. And a lot of you folks out there driving from 96, 97 up through 2007, 7, 8, uh, GM products have this particular problem. You'll approach a traffic light or a stop sign, and as you slow down, get it under 12 miles an hour, you'll feel the, brrr, the shake or the vibration in the brake pedal. And that's because the vehicle is experiencing a false ABS event. What do I mean by that? You've got four wheels on the car. Well, you're supposed to have four wheels on the car. Most of you keep all four wheels on the ground, traveling at the same speed at the same time. Anti-lock brakes, by definition, are engaged or activated when one of those wheels starts to lock up. So if you've got four wheels and you were stepping on the brakes and the right front wheel hits a patch of ice, it's going to be a lot easier for that brake to stop that wheel from rotating, and it will. It'll lock the wheel, and the truck could go into a slide. So anti-lock brakes would see that sudden change of speed, and instead of applying full force of the brake, it would start to pump the brake and cycle the brake. You know, just like your mom or dad taught you when you were driving, when you were a young kid. Uh, you know, how did everybody learn how to drive on ice? You went out into a parking lot and did, did 30 miles an hour and stepped on the brakes and spun around, and you learned how to counteract and correct. That's how I did it. So Ed was getting a false ABS event, and... I listened to the rest of the story. They had put brake lines on the car. They did a master cylinder. Spent almost $2,200 on an 18-year-old car with a quarter million miles and a check engine light on and not really enough sheet metal anywhere to make it look like one solid car. It wasn't the worst, but I've clearly seen much better. You know, it's Friday. It's quarter to four. Did I tell you that part? And I'm tired, and I'm just trying to get through the day, and I said, you know what? I got to help this guy. This guy needs help. You can see it. Uh, you know, the universe sent this gentleman to me because I think he needs. I think he needs to see the mechanics can fix cars. So I went out and I went for a ride. It was everything I expected it to be. I got up to the stop sign, and just as I'm slowing down, I'm and the pedal vibrates. Okay. So one of the wheel speed sensors is reporting incorrect information. It's reporting a false speed signal compared to the other three, and the ABS computer is saying there's a problem and applying the ABS. It's doing what it's learned to do. I got back to the shop. I saw Ed. I said, you know, I can fix this temporarily. I, it'd be pretty easy in a sense. I said, just unplug one of the wheel speed sensors. You ever, like, you know, tell somebody the sky is purple and and, you know, and it really becomes purple and they look at you and they say, wow, how'd you do that? And he said, are you serious? I said, yeah. I said, unplug one of the wheel speed sensors. And he unplugged one of the wheel speed sensors. 
I showed him where it was. And, um, you know, took it for a ride. And came back and he said, wow, it doesn't do it anymore. He said, the ABS light's on. I said, of course the ABS light's on. Because the computer can't see the signal from the left front sensor. So it now puts the system into default. And it just you just have normal brakes. The vehicle will always operate as if you've got regular brakes. And that's by definition, by law, by engineering design, that any vehicle that has an ABS event problem, it's going to have regular brakes. You're going to have to apply the brake, you know, pump the brake in a, in a, in a skidding, icy situation. And, and, you know, think about it, right? All the cars out there with ABS brakes, anti-lock, if, if every manufacturer didn't put that fault into it, then can you imagine all the lawsuits that would have accumulated in terms of hey, Your Honor, the ABS light came on and I lost my brakes completely? You and I would own General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler, more so than we already do, Toyota, Honda, and all the rest. So he he was stunned. And we had a great conversation. I said, didn't your repair shop have this conversation with you about what do you know? He said, no, they just... And he said, the sad part is, he goes, I went, I paid for it, I took the car for a ride, and I came back and I told him the car and the car was the car was undrivable. The brake pedal would go to the floor and start to vibrate. And you were playing guess your best as to whether or not it would stop and not hit the car in front of you. And yet this repair shop, if that's what you want to call it, let that car leave. Let that car go down the road. It not only puts them at a liability risk, it puts the owner, obviously, the driver operator of that vehicle at risk. But it puts you and I at risk because we're sort of expecting that car that's coming up behind us to be able to stop. And yet they charge them $2,200 for this. You know, I'm thinking to myself, it would probably be easier for half the repair shops in America to get a gun and a mask. But they can't do that because gun control laws aren't what they are. Maybe that's a good thing gun control laws are in place. Bottom line, Ed said, what do I owe you? And I said, nothing, brother. I said, you got enough going on, and, uh, you know, Ed's, um, Ed's, a little, Ed's, Ed's, Ed's a little sickly, and, is, you know, he, he confided in me. He said, you know, I just want my, ve- my wife to have a vehicle to drive me to the doctor in the middle of winter if, you know, I need to go. He says, I'm getting some operations done and stuff, and, uh, you know, you could see why God put this guy in my repair shop. I mean, you know, it's just like this guy was at the end of his rope. It was really an Obi-Wan Kenobi moment. He just didn't know what to do. He was just, you're my only hope. I'll wait 10 days because I really didn't have an appointment yesterday, but I just, I carved 15 minutes out of the day. And then he was just stunned. He said, gee, you fixed it in 15 minutes. He goes, why couldn't they do that? And I said, I don't know. That's my question. Why couldn't they do that? And I guess part of my comment to you, and, you know, maybe I don't see it. I'm a little naive. I think repair shops, I think I think there's a lot of good in repair shops. I don't see the bad. And that's something I'm working on. I'm really trying hard to see the jerks that are in this industry because there are some. But I'm also trying to point out that I think it's the moral obligation of the repair shop. And a lot of guys out there are trying really hard. I look around the classroom and I see guys that, you know, we're, we're banging our head against the wall trying to learn the new stuff and, and, and figure it out and how to make it work and how to, you know, make a living at it while we're making it work. And not all repair shops are bad, but boy, you get one and one just louses it up for everybody else. But if your repair shop takes your money and that vehicle's not fixed, hold their feet to the fire. Don't be unreasonable. And I'm not saying to go out and attack them. You know, as I, as I said to Ed, I said, you know, 
in my opinion, they owe you a repaired vehicle or they owe you the money back. If they can't fix it, then they can't fix it. Interestingly, the left front wheel speed sensor was brand new. You could see it. The wiring harness connector was brand new. And I asked Ed, did you pay for that? And he said, no. They said they never charged me. I said, that tells me their, their hour of desperation. See, I think in my next life, I'm going to become a forensic mechanic, a mechanic detective. Go look at the car that somebody tried to fix. Look at the repair bill and see if those parts on the bill match the parts changed on the vehicle. Because you can tell the hour of desperation. You can tell when the repair shop is having a Dunkirk moment, when they know this is it, do or die, give it a try, got to make it work. Because they had thrown extra parts at this vehicle that they never charged them for. And that's when I knew they were in trouble. The next time you go into a repair shop, the best way to avoid problems like this, because you knew I was going to tell you this, it's a simple sentence. Will this fix my problem? And you'll know right away. And watch their eyes. Always watch their eyes. You can tell a lot about people by looking at them. But watch their eyes. Tom, will this fix my problem? And just watch what his eyes do. And if he starts to, you know, hunt and, and shift his weight, and, and I'm not saying there aren't liars out there, and I'm not saying there aren't people who are going to be nervous anyway. But, you know, you've got to learn to read your mechanic because I'm questioning whether or not they can all fix everything they say they can fix because what I'm seeing from my seat, I don't see it. And, um, you know, that's the way it was Friday afternoon yesterday at RA Automotive. Ed gave me a hug. He said, what are you? I said, nothing, brother. I said, the universe sent you to me because I said, I think you're supposed to, I'm supposed to just try and show you that mechanics can fix cars. And it's not that hard. It's just trying. It's just, he said, how did you know that? Unplug the sensor and it would go into default. I said, that's the first thing I learned at ABS class 22 years ago. And it was. The instructor told it to us in the first 10 minutes. He said, you're going to see a car that either you can't fix or you don't have the time or the the, the, the customer's not going to be able to leave it. And he said, you got to make it safe. He goes, unplug one of the sensors. It puts the system into default and the guy will have regular brakes. I just, I don't know. I never forgot that. It was only 22 years ago. I can't remember dinner yesterday, but I can remember what the guy told me in class 22 years ago. 855-560-9900. I'm running late. Let me scoot this segment and come back right after this. I'm Ron Annie in the car doctor. We'll be here to take your calls and open the garage doors. Don't go away. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. Ron Ananian. From a slab began to rise and suddenly... To my surprise. Hey, he welcome back. Ron and the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Keep in mind that phone number is 24-7. That's there all the time. If you need the car doctor during the week, you can give us a call, leave a message, and Tom Ray, my executive producer, will call you back and get you in the queue in the lineup, and we can talk to you here on air. Or you can send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com, and I still try to answer each and every one and talk to you during the week. And um you know, if you've got an Obi-Wan Kenobi moment going on like Ed did with his quarter-million-mile Suburban, I'll do my best to give you some answers. And, uh, you know, if you can't wait till Saturday, uh, which is when we broadcast this show live here on the network, Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Let's go over and let's kick the garage doors open. Let's go talk to Charlie, Red Bank, New Jersey, and an 01 Volvo. Charlie, welcome to The Car Doctor. How can I help? Hey, Ron. Great to talk to you. Long-time listener and podcast downloader. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I've got a, a 2001 Volvo S. 40, which has only about 65,000 miles on it. Uh, my wife owned it up until last year, and uh, or she used it, and uh, I, I sort of inherited it. Uh, it has a severe shudder or shaking, uh, pretty much right at the 60 to 70 degree, uh, mile per hour mark. 
and the dealer wants uh, $3,100 to replace the shocks and motor mounts. And frankly, even though I'm not a seasoned mechanic, it doesn't quite make sense to me. Um, a couple of clues that uh, I think might be helpful to you is I find the steering wheel does not shake, uh, which uh, seems to rule out tire balance or alignment. And uh, coming into work this morning, I was going down a hill at 65 miles per hour and put the car in neutral, which, of course, drastically slowed down the RPMs. And the uh, the shuttering really wasn't affected uh, by that. Uh, so to me, that kind of rules out the engine mounts. So is it? Is so, it? So it's. Uh, yeah. So it sounds like it's really worse under load or under acceleration. Uh, I I find uh, that uh, if if I'm going 65 miles per hour and accelerate uh, or take my foot off the gas, it doesn't really seem to affect it that right. much. It, it just seems to be a function of the speed. So it's it's, uh, it's it's more speed related. It's it's just there at 65. Yeah, I know the the, the most of the information and discussions on the internet talk in terms of CV joints and, and drive shaft. So that's it, yeah, and there are there are more than a few axle issues with these cars. It's not it's not completely uncommon. Now that's that's not to say, and let's just eliminate the obvious. I mean, it is it's a two thousand one. So what is it, sixteen, seventeen years old? That's that's mm-hmm. that's not to say it can't have a bad motor mount or a trans mount, and all that's possible. And maybe that's what the tech saw first. And you know, he's following fix what you know is bad, and then move on to the next thing conversation and. You know, it's 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 possible, and and there's some obviously some easy power break it forward and reverse to the mounts shift to the mounts change, um, you know, just to see what sort of reaction they have. Uh, you know, there's another thing they could do is how about just loosening up the motor mounts and put it in park, put it in drive, kind of wiggle the motor around a little bit, tighten everything up, take it for a ride. Does that change ever, anything if the mounts themselves aren't physically damaged? And that's clearly something they can try before they spend three thousand dollars on. A might be. Tell you what, stick around, Charlie. Just uh, have a seat. Let me pull over and take this pause. We'll continue this conversation. I'm Ron Annie, the car doctor. We're back right after this. The zombies were having fun. The party had just begun. The guests included Ron Anian, Dracula, and his son. Welcome back. Or I'm the car doctor here. You know, we're, we must be getting closer to the holidays because we're doing a bunch of giveaways. This week, we're doing the launch scan tool, the Millennium 70 giveaway, either next week or the week after. I'm just looking at my sheets here. We're going to be giving away a Predator 2, courtesy of the folks at Diablo Sport. And the Predator 2 will help you take your particular vehicle and tune it and chip it and make it run better and do what you want to do from the driver's seat. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. And Think we can um, give Tony away? Um, I don't want to give Tony away. I like Tony. Well, come on. Where would we're we giving things away. I mean, what the heck? Well, where would we give them? I don't know. Uh, who would want them? Oh, some 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 lovely lady with a car problem. She you won't know, get the car problem put, fixed, but she'd like Tony. You know, maybe we could put Tony up there for date night. All right, win a date with Tony, America's sexiest board operator. No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, back to real radio. Let's get back to Charlie. Charlie, you're still there, sir. Yes. You see what I have to put up with every week, and I still fix cars. It's it's amazing, isn't it? Um, so, you know, talking about the Volvo and the vibration, 
you know, maybe it's got bad mounts, and 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 I could I could I could argue, you know, bad mount, good mount, but obviously it's pretty simple to check it. Let's just see what sort of shape the mounts are in. It's something you can physically test. Uh, I would also want to take a look at and just verify the rest of the front suspension. You know, control arm bushings in particular, uh, very common to fail. They fall out of the control arm on those cars, and, you know, it, it could be related to that. So mounts, anything rubber-related, suspension-related, that sense, yeah, let's take a look at it. All right? Front shocks, you-, uh, you know, are they leaking? Do they clunk? You know, if, if you give it the bounce test, how does it feel? You know, still a tried and true way to test those things, and if it passes those, I don't see how they're going to affect a shimmy like you're describing. Right. You know, yeah. it 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 doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. Now, you know, do they have axle issues? Yeah, they've they've got a lot of axle issues. Um, the first question I'd want to know is: Were the axles ever replaced, or is this an original car, low mileage? Well, I've owned it since it was new, so. Uh... You know the and my history. wife drove it just around town, so right. I, you know, I, I know it's it's only got sixty five thousand miles on it. Right. Then you know, on the assumption that there were original axles, because sometimes I've seen some of the replacement axles, axles in the aftermarket are just junk, and they create problems just like this too, because they're worn and then they're allegedly rebuilt and they're not, and they go back in the car and, you know, three weeks later, three months later, you you end up with a problem. So the question then becomes, if you were to take this car for a ride, create the condition, you know, duplicate it, do your 65 miles an hour, is it stronger on one side versus the other? Do you feel it more on the left than the right? And as much as you're tempted to try judging it sitting in the driver's seat while you're driving the car, because I'm sure you'll go out after we get off the air and drive the car at 65, put your hand on the right seat and go, no, I feel it more over here. You know, where your body is. You know, you really need to be on the passenger side to, to feel it there, and then you need to be on the driver's side to feel it there. Uh, you know, but I would also really consider axles. Axles are not an unusual form of failure on these cars. And then last, like you heard me in the open, you were on the air on hold during the open. Look the guy right in the mm-hmm. eye. Is this going to fix my car? Do you guarantee this is going to fix my car? And if he, you know, gives you the, you know, the, the stutter and the stare and the feet shuffle, they're guessing, and that's, you know, it's just the bottom line. That's just the way it is. Great. Appreciate right, the help. Yeah, you're welcome. Let me uh, let me know what happens, and then, then again, don't be afraid to get a second opinion. Take it to another mechanic. If uh, Is this the Volvo dealer? Have they been the ones working on the car since it was new? Yeah, and, you know, t- typical dealer, in my opinion, they just uh, throw these, uh, you know, high-cost uh, items at you and, uh mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if it doesn't uh, fix the problem, they just tell you they found something else wrong. Well, you know, it's it's it seems that auto repair is a, is, is a business where there's not a lot of accountability. And um, I think accountability, if you find a repair shop that's got accountability and take responsibility for what's going on, and you're reasonable to deal with, I think you found a good shop. I had a customer two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Um, I forget why he ended up there. The car broke on a Saturday. I wasn't around, or the car broke when he was on the road, and he got a towed, I think is what it turned out to be. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Went into the Honda dealer for a recall. You know, that's something I don't really talk a lot about. But, boy, these airbag recalls are really making these dealers, I mean, just the crazy things that are going on. 
He walked out of there after the airbag recall, thanks to the folks at Takata, with an estimate for $14,000 worth of repairs on a 2004 Honda Accord. $14,000. I mean, it's it's staggering. Who would take the time? Who would, who would, you know, Charlie, would you, you know, Charlie, here's your 01 Volvo. It needs $14,000 worth of repairs. Are you going to die on the floor laughing? Are you going to ever really consider it? Do you... <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, um, I saw the estimate. It's nuts. It's they want to put a transmission in the car. They want to do a bunch of things to the car that it just it's just good, you know, it's So you know what? It comes back to the relationship and the, the the sentence, will this fix my car? That's what repairing cars is all about today. Try that. Let me know uh-huh. what happens. So, all right, sir. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Charlie. Thanks. Thanks. Ron. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate you let me have the time. Um, long call. Sorry about that, folks. But uh, you know, thirty-one hundred dollars, and will it fix the car? I don't know. You know, he's going to have his own Obi-Wan Kenobi moment coming up. I can see it if he's not careful. Let's go over and talk to Tim in Flint, Michigan. 07 Chevy Impala. Tim, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help, yes, sir? Yes, sir. Big, big fan. Yes, sir. How can I help? Yeah, I got a 07 Impala this week. Uh, early in the week, the check engine light come on, and then it goes off, on and off. So, okay, last night, yesterday afternoon. I had it scanned by a uh, car parts store, which is a, a start. And uh, I got a two codes. One is a PO128. Right. ECT. And the next one is a PO137, bank sensor. Right. Um, car's running fine, doing fine. And I'm, re- I'm reading up on these two codes, and it's a rich, uh, lean fuel situation. And I, I guess before I take it in to actually have it repaired, I kind of want to get insight. Is one code affecting the other, or is this two separate situated, two separate parts? That I just have two codes, one back to back. Fair, fair question, and a good question. Uh, there's a there's a reasonable chance that the 128 can be creating the 137, and I'll tell you how. 137 is low sensor output signal from the bank two. Uh, I'm sorry, from from the downstream bank 102 sensor. Mm-hmm. All right. So if it's not warmed up properly, you know, it's the old story. How well do you work getting out of bed first thing in the morning, Tim? Yeah, right. You know, you got to be warmed up and get your muscles going and, you know, do right. your thing. Uh, you know, that's that's part of what the sensor is looking to do. An O2 sensor has to hit a heat span and, and, and wake up and bang, here I am. That's why they added heaters to O2 sensors 20 years ago to get them to work faster. Um, right. So, you know, the 128, the 128 is clearly a fault with coolant temp. It's seeing coolant temp below spec for too long a period of time. Typical on these cars and not unusual on these cars would be that it's 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 a thermostat issue. Very common. All right. And one of the things I would, you know, as part of the diagnosis would be and you know, on the chance that this car does this car have a temperature gauge? Yeah. Okay. You know, does the temperature gauge seem like it's in the normal position? Yes, it does. How fast does it take to get there? A long time. Okay, so longer than I think, longer than I think it should. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. So this car probably has a bad thermostat. Not oh. would would not be unusual. All right, and okay. you know here's a case where a scan tool would be a wonderful tool because you know plug it in, bring up coolant temp, and watch it. You should oh. see a minimum of 165 to 170 degrees within the first six to eight minutes. That's a typical spec. And, you know, that's what you're looking for. And, I, and I'm willing to bet it probably takes this car 10 minutes to get to 160 degrees from your description. And Easily. right away, that's going to set OBD2 fault. And, 
you know, because if the engine's running too cold, think of the old days, right? If you ever drove a car with a carburetor and a choke, this yeah. car's running on choke. It's And that's a no-no, right? Choke made the right. car run richer. Low coolant temp makes the car run richer, increases emissions, catalytic converters work harder, fuel economy goes down, pollution levels go up. You know, so they're, they're, they're chasing clean air and all those other things. So, you know, I would work on the 128 first and okay. you know, get a thermostat in it. Uh, you know, okay. decent quality. Make sure you use a good quality. You know, either either OE out of the manufacturer. Motorad makes a great thermostat. If you've got a local O'Reilly Auto Parts by you, get over to O'Reilly Auto Parts yeah. and pick up a Motorad thermostat. And, uh, you know, that's OE quality now. And, you know, that'll work just fine if that's what it needs. And then clear the code and give it a shot and see what happens as far as, you know, does the 137 come back. Okay. Now, while you've got the scan tool hooked up, you know, the nice thing here is this is a this is a V6, this is a 3.5. Right. So with a good scan tool, you could bring up both downstream O2 sensors. There should be four on this car, if memory serves me correct. And the nice thing there is you can take the one from bank one and the one from bank two, stick them up on a graph situation, and here's where you would graph a sensor, and look at them. Do they both come up to activity level at the same time or approximately the same time? Do they both have the same activity level? Some, sometimes when you sit there and say, and I'm sure you do it, I do it, everybody does it, hey, I've got, you know, the, this widget is bad. I wonder what a good one looks like. The first thought I've got is, is there another one on the car? <laughs> okay. Well, you know, is, is, is there another one on the car that I can compare it to? Yeah, look, it's got a bank one and a bank two O2 sensor downstream. Let's compare one to the other. And, okay. you know, and just, just be mindfully aware that I could have two bad parts in the same car, so I'm aware of that. But, you know, sometimes it's just as easy as that. So those okay. are those are some of the things you got to do, brother. And from there, we can talk again if we have to. Let, let me let me throw a quick question at you because I, I trust, I'll, I'll, I trust tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what, Tim. Then before we do that, let me just pull over and take this pause, and then when I come back, I can give you some time, and uh, we'll we'll go from there. So sit tight. I'm Ron and Annie, the Car Doctor. We're coming back right after this. Now everything's cool. Ron and Anian. It's a part of the band, and my monster mash is the hit of the land for you. Living, this mash was meant to. When you get to my door, tell them the car doctor sent you. Welcome back, Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Let's get back to Tim in Michigan. Tim, you had one more question. How can I help? Yeah, long, I'll make a long story short. Flat out, I love cars. Love anything to do with them. I've been around them all my life. I did a little bump and paint work. I did detail work. Uh, I'm 50 years old. I've, I've raised my family. They're gone. I'm watching, this comes back to your show, what you've talked about before. I'm watching the ads. I'm, I'm a little bit in a job hunting situation. I never never have been a mechanic as far as uh, certified and, you know, and, and trained, but I've always been around them. I love it. I just never really had the opportunity to do it, raising families and uh, the whole thing. Yeah, life gets I'm, in the way sometimes. Right, and exa- that's exactly what it did for me. I uh, lost two good jobs, so I'm kind of back into... So detailing again, I love it. That's fine. But I always look down at mechanics row and think, man, I want to do that. I wanted to do that. I think, I think I'm trainable. But okay. here's the question. Go ahead. I'm looking online. They're begging everywhere for, for techs, everywhere. Now, and now they have sign-on bonuses. And now, more than ever, they have a training program. Where they bring you in, mainly a dealership. You work with a guy from I'm reading about a year. And then you start getting your certifications. And now they've, they've built their next tech. 
Uh, I know there's involved in me. I got to buy more tools and, and specific stuff. Yeah. But do you think at this stage in the game, on a personal level, on 50, do you think at a stage of the game I can do it? Or, you know, I know I can do it in my mind, but th- is it reasonable? Does it sound reasonable to you? You ever want to play a musical instrument? I have a guitar. Okay. Did you ever want to get better at it? Sure. Did you ever try? Uh, I tried. <laughs> yeah. Are you better at it? Uh, I had let that go to a little bit. Some but, time but, situation. But, you know? but you're satisfied because you tried, right? Right. And it doesn't haunt you. Right. One thing I've learned about life, when you see something you want, if you don't try, it haunts you. Exactly. And, and you know what, brother? Never be afraid to learn. I'm 61. I started CrossFit this week. All right? I'm there with kids 25 years old. They're all looking at me. Who's the old man? I can't keep up with them. But you know what? I got them looking over their shoulder, and sometimes that's all it takes. All sure. right. Sometimes that's all you need in life is just to get people to look over their shoulders. All right. You know, my 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 orchestra is under the hood. I know where my strengths are. Um, you may never be another me. All right. And I'm not saying you can't be, but I'm just saying, you know what? It's not too bad to make me look over my shoulder either because I'll always be looking at who's coming up next. So don't be afraid to try, brother. Get back to school. Go find somebody who will train you. By all means, I would tell you to do it. And uh, you know what? Five years from now, let me know how much you're enjoying the industry. And, um, you know. It's it's never too late. It's never too late. Like Rocky Balboa said, it ain't over till it's over. That's my new T-shirt, by the way. I'm Ron and Annie in the Car Doctor. I'm coming back right after this. I'm walking. Here's the thing and I'm talking. When you and me, I'm hoping that you come back to me. Meaning the car doctor. Yeah, how sad, right? Fats Domino and um, Benson. Uh, Robert uh, Guillaume. Guillaume from Benson. Uh, and it's it's weird, right? Both of them were 89. Um, we lost both of them this week. Just really two hugely talented people. And, um, you know, with, with, with great respect and sadness. Uh, quick piece of email. Hey, Ron, a longtime listener. I was listening last week when you when the person wrote in and spoke to you about the coolant leak on their car from Missouri, the school teacher, and you recommended using a product called K-Seal, I was surprised to hear that. I didn't think you were a mechanic in a can type of mechanic, and I'd like to know what you really think about that product, and I have some questions. Fred in Illinois. Fred, you know what? K-Seal is really a great product. Okay, we've been using it in the shop for a while now, as I've pointed out. Uh, we had it this week. We had a 2011 Dodge Caravan, 109,000 miles on it. It had a coolant leak. It had a coolant leak from the thermostat gasket and the water pump gasket. And a lot of the gaskets today are hard shim, and there's a little rubber bead on them. And it's not that the gasket has broken or deteriorated. It's just collapsed just a smidge. Everything is a is a very microscopic seal or you know the ability to seal in that sense now to take apart that water pump and thermostat housing is you know seven eight hundred dollar repair whereas a bottle of k-seal um more information at kseal.com a bottle of k-seal cooling system sealer poured it in leaks are gone no other damage to the vehicle the vehicle will roll on and i'd have to make major repairs to an older vehicle that you know it's got some other issues so i saved the guy some money so there is a place for using a product like k-seal i'm ron and the car doctor the mechanics aren't expensive they're priceless 